Praise the Lord. Running to the mercy seat. Amen. Well, we have a guest speaker, not really a guest speaker, but a, a speaker that's here, maybe a, be a guest to you. But I was telling Charles about the, uh, this, this guy. He uh, used to work for the power team, used to be part of the power team, Big Tommy. And Charles said, oh, that was 20 years ago. I go, those guys are still alive, and we have them here <laughs> today. He also was a part of the USC football team, captain of the defensive team, the only guy that came on uh, as a, a walk-on. And they may be making, and they're trying to make a movie. They are making a movie of you, right? Amen. So let's welcome Big Tommy. All right, brother. And, and the cool part about the movie thing is in the... In the actual reality where I got in my one play, my one game, I didn't sack the quarterback. I caused the quarterback to throw the ball real fast, and he threw it out of bounds. But in the movie, I'm sacking the sucker. So, <laughs> this is going to be a message about a church of encouragement. I know Pastor and I have been talking and strategizing as we've gotten the new church and what God has. One thing that the church is for is for encouragement, to inspire. And, and if you can't find a church where you're being inspired, don't bother coming. As Kelly says, if this doesn't light your fire, your wood's wet. So we should have, with the church, so much excitement, so much people want to hear what's going on. They want to be around. Yesterday we were at a church service. I had Viviana's two sons with me, and we were down in um, um, Orange County, and, and an outreach down there, it was, it was Star Wars night. The most unreligious thing you can imagine. But you walked in the church door back in that, that little kind of the, the, the warehouse. It felt like walking into the scene from that movie that was the, remember where the barroom scene, all the weird critters and everything? There was hundreds of stormtroopers and Darth Vadars. And, I mean, it was the greatest thing. But it, her boys were so touched just by going there. I said, boy, they're really going to be fired up. Last time, we fed them, un, un, uh, we called it man food. It was a barbarian feast. It said, no knives, no forks, no women, man food. It, they had more to eat. And again, last night, but, but it was just winning them. There's an excitement. There's an expectancy. And that's the way we should be. And, and I know earlier in the week, we were at another church out in Orange County, and uh, we're in the bookstore, and, and this was so cool because um, the church was just incredible. Music is cottonwood, and, and as we're there, we're in the bookstore, and Viviana's with me, and, and we're looking around, and she saw this thing up on the wall. She's like, oh, I know who that's got to go to. Viviana, why don't you bring that up for me? This is for Miss Kelly, a little housewarming. But this is supposed to be a church of encouragement. We're here to encourage. Viviana, come on up here. Come on up here. This is my Vanna White. Watch you show this. Kelly, this is for you. It says, delight in the Lord. It says Psalms 37.4. And I wanted to remind you, in being a church of encouragement, it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and God will give you the desires of your heart. Every desire, they will be fulfilled. Amen? But that's from Viviana. Is that encouraging? <laughs> that's the way the church should be but I, I thought that was fitting with the message being a church of encouragement one of the points of being a church of encouragement is not just coming to get it's coming to give what do you have to give 
And I was struck by that while we walked in that bookstore. As soon as she saw that on the wall, she's like, Kelly. I'm like, yes. You know, and, and it was so, we wanted to come giving to Courage. Um, we're out on campus this week. Jake, this Jake, stand up, Jake. Okay, get up here. You knew I was going to do this. Come on. If you didn't know I was going to do this, you should have. But uh, <laughs> this is Jacob Charlotte, and uh, we were out of campus. We were at Fullerton JC. Why don't you tell them what happened out there? We, you blew up your first water bottle? First water bottle, yeah. And the cool thing, we, we blow up a water bottle until it explodes, symbolizing breakthroughs. And, and the cool thing for me is that I didn't have to do it. So, <laughs> but why don't you tell them what happened out there? Well, let's see. Uh, pretty much as soon as we... Blew up the water bottle, then I remember the uh, cop came out there and was uh, kind of struck a little bit. But at the same time, he was kind of smiling because I guess he'd never seen this before, you know. And I guess a lot of people that came there, they always preached negatively, you know. They always um, kind of, yeah. And, it, you know, it was sad. So then all of a sudden, after we did that, all, a whole crowd of people, teachers, even the cop was sitting there, and then people started coming up like, what's going on? And the cop was sitting there smiling and everything, and pretty much um, a lot of students came up there as we were doing feats of strength and, you know, Big Tommy was preaching. A lot of students came up there, and they didn't know each other was saved at all. I mean, a lot of them, one guy had a Fear Guy shirt on, and then another person came up there was looking like, wait, I know you, but I didn't know you were. So it kind of sparked something there, and so now they wanted us to actually come back. Yeah. So, yeah. Jake, thanks. Anytime, thank you. You know, and, and the thing that was amazing, and from when I looked out on the crowd, we got up and, and Jake blew up the hot water bottle, exploded. You know, we started talking to the students and, and saying, listen, we're out here because God has a plan and destiny for your life. I said, I just want to come out and encourage you. As we looked over the campus, there's like a couple hundred people there. They're all way all over campus. I mean, hundreds of yards away. I got a loud voice. So, and, and they're all like, you could see they were hoping and they, 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 they were waiting for a message of hope. But that's what our church should be like. That you come for hope. You come for encouragement. You come as a place to be anchored. That's what the Bible says is that, that, that Jesus Christ is an anchor of our soul. And as we come here to church, we're not here just to take, what can I get this week? It's how can I give? And that's what we're going to talk about, being a church of hope and encouragement. And that's going to cause, people are going to want to come. They're going to want to be there. Last night we did the Star Wars outreach. People wanted to be there. I mean, it was just, it was amazing what we saw. City officials, and, and, and it was uh, uh, something like the movie Night Tonight. I mean, the War Room's one of the greatest movies ever. You've got an opportunity to come. Hey, want to come. Bring people with you. It's going to be powerful. So, Church of Encouragement. Every person is limited by three things in life. The knowledge in their mind, the worth of their character, and the principles upon which they build their life. Those three things are going to limit your life. They're going to define who you are. One of the principles that we're going to talk about is the principle of the church. What is the church meant to be? All principles of society emanate from, originate in, and are initiated by the kingdom of God. And what the scripture says in Colossians 1, 16 is, For by him were all things created, all things that are in heaven, all things that are earth, visible and invisible, all things were created by him and for him. There's no neutral zones. 
And the church is, is not a neutral zone. It's ordained of God. Now, this may set you free because a lot of people come up and they say, well, I'm waiting for the perfect church. I can't find the perfect church. Church is full of hypocrites. Well, if you're waiting to find the perfect church, give up. Because if you do find it, once you join, it won't be perfect anymore. So, the church is ordained by God. It's not divine. That set me free. Because we put a standard, oh, the church has got to be perfected. You know, there's, there's ministers that have gone bad. And this, well, yes, there is. They're human. They're men. But the church has been ordained. Ordained means it's a God tool. It's a God thing. Jesus came and he told the disciples, he's busting their bubble saying, I'm getting ready to go. He said, go wait in Jerusalem for what the Father promised. He said, which you heard from me. He said, John baptized water, but I'm going to baptize you with power. I want you to go wait. And he told over 500 people, I want you to go to wait in Jerusalem. My question is, if he told 500, how come only 120 showed up? I started thinking, that's just like the church. We know we're supposed to go to church. But it's like, we got things to do. Games are on. Shopping to be accomplished. There's, there's, there's other things that pull at our time. When you get a revelation of what church is, the church is here for your perfection and your protection. The church is here to help you grow, to help you mature, to stand with you, to encourage you, to see you fulfill the dreams and goals God's put in your heart, just like that plaque. It says, God will accomplish the desires of your heart. There's a promised land for each and every single one of us, but we're not going to reach that ultimate promised land. We're not going to maximize our destiny apart from being in proper working of the church. I talked to one young lady this week that had about four failed relationships, married with a man that was an abuser. And she's like, how am I going to know I'm going to get the right guy? And I felt just a creative word. I said, you know what, do this. Next time you get the guy wants to bring you out to Starbucks or something, do me this one favor. Ask him who's your pastor. Because if you ask him who's the pastor and he looks like you, like, what the heck are you talking about? Just disqualify him. But somebody that knows their pastor, their pastor knows them. The church is supposed to give account for your soul. Not to tell you what to do and run your life, but they're there. When I'm mentoring men, you know, somebody asked me about Jacob. I said, man, this guy's a great guy. I know him. He's stable in the faith. He's mature. He's strong. I can testify on his behalf because I know him. You can't get this just by watching Joel Osteen on TV. I love Joel Osteen. But you can't get this just by watching TV. Thank God for it and the praise and the worship and the music, this and that. But you know what? You can't negate church to just get your church. I'm just going to stay home and have church today. You can't get the same vibe. The Bible says iron sharpens iron as one brother sharpens another. We've got to be in relationship with each other. The one thing the internet will never replace, the need of the church for community, for family. Listen to this scripture. This is powerful. In Hebrews 10, 25, it says, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some of the people do, 
but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It says, do, do not neglect the gathering of the brethren. Don't neglect. What happens when you neglect something? You don't take care of it. You ever see somebody, they've been ne neglecting their teeth? Just all nasty and smelly and brown and just, ugh. You've been neglecting. You, you need to take care of those things, you know. But it says, don't neglect the, the, the gathering together of the brethren. We need each other. We need to encourage each other. We need to stand with each other. Church is not optional. Church is here, ordained by God to guide, guard, and govern. Another way you can look at it, church is here to direct, correct, and protect. It's to build you up. It's to encourage you. Let's not neglect the meeting together, some of them do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his dawning is drawing near. We need to understand the church is here to encourage you. You're part of that. Come with that opportunity. Say, who can I encourage today? I'm doing that constantly in my life. When I, I get out my time of prayer in the morning and, and dedicate my day to the Lord, it, it's, it's especially, especially many of you get a call from me while I'm on my bike at the, at the gym because I'm going to be there for an hour or so. Pull that phone out and I start calling people, encouraging them, inspiring them. But I spent so much of my life just pulling out of somebody what they don't even see in themselves, reminding them of who Jesus says they are, what the Word says. We've got to have that on a daily basis. We all battle discouragement. We all get war-weary. The church is supposed to be here to replenish us, to build us up, to strengthen. Every time Pastor Chuck preaches and he's putting the word, how many times have you come? It's like, man, I was just thinking about what Pastor Chuck was preaching. That's not a coincidence. God ordains those times. The word is a living, active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It challenges you, but it empowers you to seize your destiny. And we've got to do this thing together. We're not going to go in separately. When Moses came to the promised land, he took the children of Israel in. He said, we're going in together. We can't do this alone. The church is here so we can go in together. Our little part, our little um, church and say, this is, this is the, the little family God's given us. It's here so we can inherit the destiny God has for us corporately as well as individually. You know, I think about what Jesus said, that the church is like a flock of sheep. Pastor shared about this months ago, about, about we're, we're sheep of his fold. The one thing about sheep, when they stay together, is it's safe and they're protected from the wolf. The wolf is always the devil. And the wolf is waiting to find the stragglers, the sickly, those that are lagging behind. That's who he picks off, the independent, the isolated the Bible says, don't separate yourself. He who separates himself, Proverbs 18.1, seeks his own desire and argues against all sound wisdom. He argues against all sound wisdom because he's trying to make life on his own, outside of any other counsel, any other guidance. That's, that's, that's the epitome of stupidity. <laughs> trying to live your life the way you want, the way you think, the way you feel, without any outside guidance. 
You show me a self-made man, I'll show you a disaster rate waiting to happen. But at Hebrews 10, it says, let us not neglect the, the meeting together. It compares us to being a, a flock because if the wolf attacks the flock, the flock's going to turn on him and trample that wolf to death. We're here to stand together by that which every joint supplies. So when the devil comes, man, I'm linked with my brother. The devil might be able to come and push on me, but he can't push on both of us. Especially I link arms with my other brother. We're tied in. Nobody's going to mess with us. And that's the way we are. We're as a church to protect, to perfect, to encourage. And where it says in, in Hebrews 10, it says, encourage one another. Who are those one another's? The one another's, literally what, it, what God's telling us, serving one another, forgiving one another, building one another up, loving one another. You can't do that on TV. Friends, for your free mandatory love offering, $100, I'll send you my book. I want to do in case you miss the rapture. If you send away today, I'll send you my anointed prayer socks. I've worn these socks to nine consecutive prayer meetings. Guaranteed to scare away all devils and most people. <laughs> you can't get through TV what is only meant for you to be gotten in the church. It's the relationships. Loving one another. Serving each other. Confronting. I can't tell you how many times because of coming to church, listening to people, hearing what they've gone through, being able to say, listen, I've got something for you. You're, you're missing it right here. And because we're in relationship, that we get to see each other, good, bad, ugly. And a lot of times in a church of encouragement, say, hey, brother, here, i got a better way for you to go. You don't have to go through this mess. And we're able to confront and, and encourage. Today already I had somebody come up, and I, I was able to, to share and say, listen, you know, do you realize this is what you said? You may not realize you said this. God wants to help you. He's got hope for you. He's got... You know, in just touching lives. We should all be doing that. And we should be saying what the Word of God says. That's where the ultimate encouragement is going to come from. And in, in, in John 14, 16, it says this. I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another helper, or another word is comforter or encourager, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not know him or has seen him. But you do know him because he abides with you and he will be with you. The Bible calls the Holy Spirit, when Jesus told the disciples, said, I'm going to be taken off, I'm going to be going to heaven, but I'm going to leave you a comforter. I'm going to call you to the upper room. He used that word paracletus three, four times. It means encourager. Literally, that word translates comfort, comforter, Advocate, in other words, it's like Larry H. Parker, I will fight for you. <laughs> Helper. Another word that can be used is encourager. And then John 14, 25, 26 says, These things I've spoken to you, being yet present with you, but the comforter, the helper, the encourager, the advocate, which is the Holy Ghost from the Father, will, will send you in my name, and he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. That's why God wants us to come and gather the church. It describes the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints. He wants you to come to check in so you can be equipped, you can be trained. And then the Bible says, as Jesus is, so is he, so we should be in the world. Jesus came to encourage, we should be encouraging. 
Every day we should make it a point in our lives. As a result, we have the Word of God, which is able to encourage one another. Builds us up in our Christian faith. Listen to this. Here's a couple of encouraging scriptures. Proverbs 12, 25. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. I can't tell you how many times I'm on the phone or I send a note or a letter just to cheer somebody up, to speak the words of life. And they'll say, man, that changed my life or that touched my heart. We've got opportunities to do that all the time. Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. When pastor comes up and speaks that word of healing over somebody sick and it brings healing into their body, that's healing. He's touched them. He's encouraged them. Words are very powerful in, in, in helping chill, children develop their concept of themselves. We need to see and we need to be encouraged of who God sees us. He's called us to win. He's called us to conquer. How can we encourage effectively? There's just three little things we're going to hit on. Number one, you ready? We're talking about the church of encouragement. Number one, show up. It's not that hard. Get in your car, take a bus, walk, show up. wonder how many people decide not to show up today and they're still laying in bed, still floundering in their misery, still grumbling, complaining, why, wondering why their life's going wrong. They didn't show up, but you did. That's half the battle, showing up. Our meeting together is a source of encouragement. If you study the Bible and what it says about the church, these are some of the things that TV's not going to do for you. Okay, it's a personal contact. It's involvement. It's, it's, hey, how can I serve you? What do you need? Let me, let me encourage you. He's called us as a church to be a family, a community. Second way that, that we're going to be effective encouragers is number two, we've got to be deliberate. We need to consider how to expressly encourage people as we come to church. Hebrews 10.24 says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts and good works. Every day you get up, who can I touch today? Who can I encourage? Be looking on the streets. You see that cashier looks like having a rough day. You can have the words of life that bring a little better attitude to their lives. Be deliberate. Show up. Be deliberate. Use your... How many of you, you get the mail these days, all this pile of bills and magazines. But if you see in my box... If I see a personal note, that's the first thing I open. How can you use that in your life, sending out cards, little notes, little encouragements, or like I do on the telephone? No excuse, I don't have enough time. You can call somebody. I got a friend, Jim Edwards. He's uh, the guy that was from the Edwards film fame, the, the Edwards theaters, and there's not a week that doesn't go by. I'm calling him up, and he said, Tommy, you're the only one that calls. And encourages me. He said, everybody wants something from me. You're the only one that calls and has a word of encouragement. And it's vice versa. I remember there's been times I've been stuck. And boom, Jim will call me with the right word in the right season. Use your phone. You, sometimes Jim will say, listen, I don't got much time. I'm on the way to the airport. I was just thinking about you. Lord, put you on my heart. You know how much that encourages me? We've got to do it. 
And then lastly, show up, be determined. Number three, commit to encouraging people on a daily basis. Hebrews 3.13 says this, but encourage each other every day while it is still today. I only encourage people on days that begin with the letter T. Tuesday, Thursday, today, and tomorrow. I made encouragement a daily addiction of mine. And I look for it. I go to the gym. I see people at the gym all the time. That person looks a little down. Go up and say a kind word. Open the door to be a witness to. Just had a coach from Bosco. Just walked up to him. He's a football defensive line coach. I don't know if you know him, coach. But he looked a little down and just, boom, brought the word of the Lord. Just a little encouragement. Make encouragement a daily addiction. Proverbs 12.25 says, Worry weighs a person down, but an encouraging word cheers a person up. And then Proverbs 18.21, one of my favorite scriptures, what you say can mean life and death to somebody. It says the power of life and death is in your words. And I'll add this, King David, what do you do when nobody's around to encourage you? King David was at the lowest of the low. Everybody turned on him. They wanted to string him up. It said David had encouraged himself in the Lord. You think it's important to be in church? Church points the way to the Word of God. Church points the way to know how apply these principles to your life to encourage yourself. When nobody else is around to encourage you, you better know how to go get that encouragement from the Word. That's why he sent the paraclete, the helper, come alongside. Some of you have the greatest gift of all, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you don't even use it. Okay, I spoke in tongues. You tie my bow tie, I tie your bow tie. Okay, I spoke in tongues, great. I guess I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. No, you're supposed to be using that on a daily basis to build yourself up. It says in Jude 20, building yourself up in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Well, you don't know how to encourage yourself. You can go to the Holy Spirit, and he'll encourage you. I want to leave you with this last illustration. I was struck by this when I read this. This is really powerful. It's a great man of God named William Wilberforce from England years ago during the Revolutionary War period. Wilberforce was a man that worked hard trying to get England, Parliament, their Congress, to abolish uh, the support of slavery. Twice his efforts were defeated. Discouraged, he's about ready to throw in the towel. He's about ready to give up. Then his old friend John Wesley heard of his discouragement, and even though Wesley was on his deathbed, he pulled himself up, asked for a pen and paper. With a trembling hand, Wesley wrote words to Wilberforce. This is what he said. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you'll be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. But if God be for you, who can be against you? Are all of them stronger than God? Oh, be not weary in doing well good. Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might. Wesley died six days after writing those words. And Wilberforce, with renewed dedication, continued on. Then in 1833, just three days before his own death, it was brought to a vote one more time in the parliament, and they finally abolished slavery from Britain. What if Wesley had not encouraged Wilberforce? 
may never have happened. One kind word, one encouragement, one motivation, one charge to press on. I think about in my life that Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole was my mentor. He's a founder of a Christian Men's Network, Men's Ministry. Different times of his life, he encouraged me with his word. He died in 2002. My mentor's dead. Who's going to encourage me now? Nobody encouraged me like Dr. Cole. But I remember back to the times I saw a picture the other day, and I'm on my knees getting prayer with these, these men gathered around me, and it was Dr. Cole, and, and, and he gave me the Medal of Valor. He only gave that medal out 12 times in his entire lifetime. And he said, Tom, he said, you just wrote Warriors and Ultimate Warriors. He said, you've transcended just being a role model, and you're a hero to young men. Those words encouraged me. I remember after he died, I'd, I'd gone through some of the toughest times of my life and the divorce and, and, and loss of ministry and, and things that you couldn't even imagine, one of the roughest periods of my time. I remember I went to the cemetery where Dr. Cole was buried. Not that he was there, but I just felt connection. And I went there and, 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 and I was contemplating giving up the ministry in 2007. And I swear I heard his voice cry out of that grave, I've not given you the option to quit. <laughs> Powerful. It turned me around. It snapped me out of compromise. It snapped me out of self-pity. It says, get off your butt and get out there and do what you've been called to do. Even beyond the grave, his words of encouragement challenged me to continue on in the, in the face of discouragement, defeat. So I'm asking you today to lock in with us. The reason we've got this church here, New Heart Church, is to be a community of believers to stand together. We're not interested in just our own benefit and, and making it on our, we're here for you. When we got on that campus, I remember, Jake, I looked at the students and I said, hey, I'm here because I believe in you. You can see life come on these students. I said, I'm here because you have a destiny and purpose and you're capable of doing great things. I could see just, whew. I want to tell you as members of this church, you have been destined for greatness. You have been destined to overcome. I don't care what obstacles. There's a lot of people that aren't here over the years. They've come and gone. But the ones that have gone because they've not shown the commitment They've neglected the fellowship of the brethren. They're still struggling, the same mess, same stuff. And I'm telling you, we had a sign over our locker room door at USC. Those who stay will be champions. I wish that was over the, the, the door of every church. Those who stay will be champions. Because this story isn't over. And we're not going in alone. And contrary, you've got to watch your eschatology of the, the end times view. You've got to watch and not get sucked into the end time eschatology. This is, oh, Jesus is just coming back to rapture us out of this wicked, cruel world. I don't know when he's coming back. It says nobody knows. But I do know one thing, that my Bible says God's coming back for a glorious bride, the church, without spot or wrinkle. He's not coming back for some mud-slung, torn-dressed, beat-up, bloodied bride. 
He says, I'm coming back for a glorious bride. I don't see it in the Bible. God's going to come and rescue us. God said, I've called you to win. I called you to overcome. He told Peter, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. What that rock wasn't Peter himself. It was the, the statement that he made that Jesus is Lord. As we stand together as a church under the Lordship of Christ, we're going to win. We're going to overcome. We cannot be defeated. Those who stay will be champions. Amen? Amen. Pastor, come on up. Let's pray.